our life. You're worthy of our singing. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of everything we can think. And we bow before you. We thank you that you came as a babe. We thank you that you paid for our sin. We're so amazed at such a great salvation. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, thanks, team. I, personally, have been a little discouraged. That's because I've been trying to run, and my knee isn't working very well. I don't like getting old. You youngsters can't figure this out, probably, but I don't like being... You don't work as well as you used to, and last week, my uncle died. He wasn't that old. He'd been amazing. He worked as a pastor and to... um, Natives along the Alaskan and Canadian coastline uh, in a boat for a while. Death happens. In the midst of that, I look at our sort of Christian experience, and I think sometimes we feel like Christianity is a little, I have to say, it feels narrow. I feel like I need to defend this book, the Bible, because I believe with my whole heart that it's true. Don't you? I do. It is the word of God. And I look at our society and our culture and I see people who aren't living according to the word of God and I start saying what I need to do is I need to fight. I need to go after them. And, and, and you see it in our country, this amazing division that's happening all over. I mean, it's okay to say, right? I watched some of the impeachment hearings and, and depending upon what you think of the guy... You're, you're screaming and yelling at the other side. We see people marching with streets and signs. We start getting caught up in this, this argument, and the church gets in it. And we start saying, well, well, because I think of what the Bible says, I'm going to fight for my side. I'm going to go for what's right and what's true. But that means I'm fighting other people. Got to tell people their sins. Got to tell them they're wrong. And, and I feel like I'm a messenger of God. That's how I kind of think I'm out. I'm a messenger of God. I'm out there just telling people the truth from the Bible. And I'm telling them if they're wrong to shut up. Hey, like last week, remember that? Zechariah and the angel came. Messenger of God, that's the meaning of angel. And the angel said to Zechariah, you're not going to be able to talk. I guess what I'm after today is to say, you're no angel. You're not a messenger of God. You don't have the power to tell people to shut up. But we are in the story. The Christmas story is fantastic and amazing and true. The thing that we are, the the life that we live is super important for you and me to understand from the Bible. And it's way bigger than so often our culture tries to say what Christianity is. has to do with my uncle dying and my knee not working. It has to do with us being on a little tiny raft in the middle of a vast, huge sea. Life is so big. God is so much bigger. And you and I are so small. We're so little. Death comes to us all, you know, and we will have lived a little. Maybe we'll raise some sheep. Maybe we'll play on the internet. Maybe we'll teach some kids. No matter what our lives are, eventually systems fail and 
Family or kids might die before you. Your spouse might leave. Life might be hard. You get glimmers of peace, of rest, and of joy in a, in a sea of darkness. And, and, and what I'm hoping for you to see today is that it's not up to us, and that's good. That's good. Somebody has us. We're in the story today. Christmas is coming. I, I, I want you to see, and I want you to see the story with me. So if you have your Bibles and want to look, we're in Luke chapter 2. We're going to be talking about shepherds and angels, but I want to start with the beginning of Luke 2 because it's the story. It's the story you know. And it starts right there. And again, we, we, we've grown up, many of us, with the Christmas story, so we feel so comfortable, comfortable to the point of banality, to the point of not really even having our blood pressure go up or our heart rate increase when we hear about the birth of Jesus. So here it is. In those days, Luke chapter 2, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. This tells you when it was. And, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed who was with child. Stop there for a minute. This is Joseph, right, of the line of David. He, doubly so. He, he's the representative of David, of the line of Abraham, the receiver of the promises of God as a gift with his, with his adopted son. And Mary, Mary the blessed Mary, the actual mother of Jesus. God himself chose her to bear his son, the Savior of the world. And here it is recorded, the birth of the one, while they were there, verse 6, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. That's the scene. We're going to talk about it directly this morning. You know it. It's something you're really familiar with. We're looking at the people of Christmas, and the reason why we are is because Luke the writer of this gospel. He introduces you to what Jesus is about through people. And if you haven't thought about it, then you haven't caught the message of Jesus. So we looked at Mary and Joseph already. We looked at Elizabeth and Zechariah last week. Today we're really focusing on another group that Luke brings out for us to see this morning that directly plays in to what I've just introduced to you. And it's the shepherds, particularly the shepherds, the shepherds and the angels. And I want you to see a few things. I want you to see that you're invited to the party. Look at this. It's amazing. Absolutely incredible. Because it says in the same region, verse 8, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. So there's these shepherds out in the field. Luke just brings them on in. They go to it. Did I freeze? I froze. It's okay. It's not hard to understand. There's shepherds out in the field. There they are. Cold, dark. Think about it for a minute with me. Try and place yourself out in this time. No electricity, no running water, nothing. People are just sitting out there around a campfire maybe. It's nighttime in the cold and dark, and they're watching their flock of sheep. 
Not an awesome job. Even in David's day, go way back, right? David was out watching the sheep. He was a shepherd. Yeah, but he was the youngest son. So when they come to say, well, where's your kids? Like, oh, well, the youngest is out watching the sheep. That's like saying the youngest is out washing the car. He's out scrubbing the toilets. He's out there doing stuff out there because because it didn't require great intellect. It didn't require great skill. It's not a job that required interaction with people. Got to hang out with sheep. That's really great. Sheep are really stupid. So, so, you know, historians, you look and see, say, okay, well, even in Jesus' day, yeah, historians aren't very kind to shepherds in Jesus' day. Let me give you a little bit. Jeremiah, he, he wrote Jerusalem in the time of Jesus at the turn of the century. He cites rabbinic sources. He says, most of the time the, the, the shepherds were dishonest and thieving. They led their herds onto other people's land and pilfered the produce of the land. Gee, kind little shepherd boy. No, not really. Because they were often months at a time, he says, without supervision, they were often accused of stealing something to increase the flock. Consequently, the pious people said, don't even buy wool or milk from these people. Shepherds weren't allowed to fulfill a judicial office or be admitted in court as witnesses. They weren't fine, unstanding citizens. A midrash from, from Judaism, it's a little bit later. The midrash was written later. This is Jewish writings on the Psalms. In, in the midrash on Psalm 23 says, there is no more disreputable occupation than that of a shepherd. Bummer. Philo, he's a Hellenistic Jew, a writer in early, uh, really early on in the first century. He says, he wrote, wrote about looking after sheep and goats. Such, such pursuits are held mean and inglorious. And maybe that's too far, but, but here's the thing. I picture in my mind that there's this really nice group of, of mixed young people having fun out in, the, out in the wilderness a little bit, and they're really kind. No, 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 no. They're probably not. At the very least, they're smelly. There weren't a lot of showers going on. And they're taking care of sheep. And they're maybe a little disreputable. Like, just think with me for a minute about who's out there. Maybe a young man who's never been anywhere. First time to be camping out overnight, looking in every shadow for what might attack his sheep. There might be an older man who has no other livelihood. He's, he's just a couple of sheep, and life's worn him down. And maybe there's people with high morals and low, low morals. We, we, we don't know. Maybe people have done good things. People have done bad things. Uh, <laughs> why have you been thinking about that? They're just shepherds. Are they religious? Are they law keepers? Are they compassionate? Are they obedient? Are they smelly? You can only say yes to the last one. Otherwise, what's the answer? We don't know. Guess what we also don't know? I don't know their names. I don't know a single one of these people's names. Real people. Lived a real life. That's kind of the point, right? We don't know. It doesn't matter who. It matters that they're nobodies. You've never heard of them before. You'll never hear from them again. No, no names. They're living people in a sea of thousands and thousands of people before them and after them. More than thousands. Millions of people before and, and more than billions of people before and after them. They are part of the sea of humanity, right? Is it okay to say that? Do you realize you are too? 
Do you realize you are one person in the midst of billions upon billions of people who live right now? And then stretch it back a hundred years. Stretch it back a thousand, stretch it back two thousand years, which is what we're talking about in an event this morning. How many billions of people have lived? Don't answer that. I don't know, I don't know what the answer is, but it's a lot, right? Okay, this is a real account of what happened. What to this raw, if I, if I could say kind of redneck, dirty bunch of sheep-smelling shepherds, something happens. What's the matter? I'm not down on shepherds are awesome. I mean, David was a shepherd. How cool is that? Jesus, shepherd of the sheep. But I think when we kind of make it romantic, we miss that this isn't, this isn't pretty. This isn't a group of like... They didn't keep the Sabbath probably, you know can't keep the sabbath because you're watching the sheep on on saturday okay so verse nine and an angel of the lord appeared to them and the glory of the lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear and an angel said to them fear not for behold i bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Wow. Wow. Did you see an angel of the Lord appeared to them? The glory of the Lord shone around them. Glory is the Greek word for doxa. It's, a, it's light. It's brightness. It's why you see sometimes a glory of God showing. It's not, it's not the word for worship, which is weight. This is the one for like blaze. a condition of being bright or shining and splendor and radius. And throughout the Old Testament, the presence of God is shown this way. You realize that? Overwhelmingly bright, burning as fire, such as the cloud above the temple by day. God's angels sometimes bear the same bright glory. And, and in this case, the glory shines around the whole area. It says the whole area is bathed in light. And the result is the shepherd is pretty predictable, I think. A bunch of guys who probably don't read, who are mostly the only reason we know of them is that they take care of sheep. They're what? They're terrified. Literally, it says they feared with great fear. Because the presence of God shows up and his speakers speak. The angels are what? Messengers, right? They say what God wants them to say exactly. They go exactly to where God wants them to go. They have marching orders with exact instructions. Although we think of ourselves like them, they are not human beings. They are not you. They are sent to human beings. Where did God want them to go? It's amazing. Where did God want him to go? I know if I were God, I would take them directly to the manger. The glory of God should shine and bathe the manger. Why? Because that's where Jesus is. He didn't have to send them to the middle of nowhere. He could send them right to Jesus. The host of angels could break out in glory over Jesus. Instead, they break up in the middle of like, I'm sorry, Steve, concrete. All of a sudden, blazing light. They're afraid that, whoa. God said, go there, and they do. Angels are precise and obedient. Instead of thinking, oh, man, I'd like to be an angel, think, this is God's word for you and me. What's the message? Don't be afraid. 
What's the message? Good news of great joy for all the people. That includes you and me, right? You, you, you. I'm included in all the people. What's the good news? Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This singular focus of this text isn't on the shepherds and their morality, their worthiness, anything. It's just an announcement of the truth for them to hear. Well, they take it in. An announcement of good news. In fact, they get a sign. It's remarkable. Remember, Zechariah wouldn't be given a sign. He was a sign. These guys are given a sign. Verse 12. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Here in the boonies, in the middle of nowhere, this glorious angel appears. Everything's shiny. He says, don't be afraid. This is great news. This is great news. And here's your sign. Why, do, why does God even care? Why do they get a sign? What is it for? A sign of what? This is actually really important. If you're not reading carefully, you'll go right over this. A sign, right? A sign is about something important pointing to something else, right? So when you and I say, hey, what's the most amazing thing ever? And we say, oh, Jesus born in Bethlehem. That's the most amazing thing ever. Well, this angel says, no, that's a sign. That means that it's pointing to something bigger. And I I don't mean to take down the birth of Jesus. It's the most amazing thing I know. But it's a sign of something bigger. What's the bigger thing? This is where we go wrong. I don't know anything bigger than that. Yes, you do. You know something bigger than Jesus was born. They, they, They go right here. This is what they're doing. It's a sign for you guys. What a sign of what they just told and what they're going to say. So the smaller thing is there's a baby that's been born. It's no small thing. It's a huge thing. Jesus, son of David, son of God, born in Bethlehem, culmination of the Old Testament, and a sign, a sign of something so big that right here in our text, the heavens explode. That's what it says, right? Don't, don't miss it. Did, did you see? It says, And suddenly, verse 13, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Oh, this this multitude of the heavenly host is described as two phrases together, right? One's a great company, this multitude. It means a crowd, a throng, a host, an assembly. And then secondly, it says heavenly host, that that's the military term for the army. A multitude, a crowd of the army. Think of the biggest army you've ever seen, and all of a sudden in the sky, yelling forth, is the host of heaven. Oh, my God. I've been in a couple big crowds. I was in a pretty big crowd the other night. It was like a couple weeks ago. It was the Seahawks, at, at, and the, the Vikings were in town. 70,000 people. Boy, when it was third down and whatever, fourth down and whatever for the other team, I've never heard such screaming in my life. My ears still ring occasionally. This is louder. 
this kind of crowd is bigger. It means you cannot count it. I knew there were 69,723. Nope. This is an uncountable host of people, beings. And they're screaming out, they're yelling, singing. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. This heavenly army is praising God. The Greek verb is is to praise, which is just to express approval. They're just expressing approval. Praises to God and they're saying, peace to you because God is pleased with you. This is an announcement, not a possibility, not a perhaps, not a maybe. Peace to you from God. The sign of peace to you from God is that Jesus is here. Everything that is about to happen is because God is at work. And what you don't know in your life of caring for sheep, of focusing on the task at hand, of just getting by, on living, on the ups and downs, on the downs and downs, of the dark light, peace with God is here, not by your doing. And the sign is that Jesus has come. What am I saying is bigger than Jesus has come? What the text does. Peace with God. Oh my goodness. You have no peace with God because you're a sinner. You have no peace with God because you aren't perfectly as you ought to be. You have no peace with God. And then this this sign that God has taken it in his hands and he's doing it is Jesus has been born. He will do more. He will go to the cross. He will die. He will shed his blood. All of that will happen. He will do the thing. I think you've got to be careful with this verse, and you can even see it in kind of how they chose to translate it in the ESV. If you look at the NIV, I think it's better. If you look at, the, at the, uh, a couple other translations, better too. That they're trying to say here or imply, I read this, don't you? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. I think that's great that God's happy with some people. You read it that way, huh? Peace on earth among the men whom with he is pleased. Am I one of those people? Those with whom he's pleased. How do I get to be one of those? That's not what the text says. Don't you dare. Right? The text says the angels promise peace between God and mankind, which essentially amounts to salvation. And we're used to this word on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Uh, better, Better you could say on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests, to people on whom his favor rests. His favor has come, and therefore you have peace. That's what he's going after, right? The amazing big thing is that God has announced his favor. It's a cosmic statement. The feel of it's like an amazing wonder and event that declares to the heavens that God has made a choice. Of all the things created, of all the angels God has made, of all the universes that he's declared and made, of all the things that God with his, with his mind and his word has spoken and come to be, he has declared his favor, finally, to who? To you. It's amazing. The, 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 the story that I think of in the Bible is about Esther, and our kids are going to do Esther in a couple of weeks back in the back. But you know Esther, who's this young 
uh, queen, right? But you can't come into the presence of the king. You die if you just come into the presence of the king unsummoned. But finally, she has something she needs so badly that they're going to kill all her people that she goes into the presence of the king, and and, and she's going to die. But he does what? He publicly then extends his scepter, his hand, to her. She has his what? His favor. You, me, the declaration of the heavens is that God has said to humanity, you have my favor. This is great news. That's the sign of a baby born. Glory to God in the highest. That's a statement of God is at work, not you. On earth peace. Why? Because Jesus is here, the one who will bring peace, not you. God's treasures. Look, 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 look. The shepherds say, they call out to you and me, God treasures the nobodies. You don't know their names and you never will. They, 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 they were doing sheep just like the generation before them and the generation before them and the generation after them and the generation after them. They're, they're the humanity that God is speaking to and he speaks to you and me. And this is the sign. The sign means God adores them, these nobodies. What's the sign? The babe is the sign. So they say, I wonder if this is true. Let's go check out the sign, Right? Because when the angels went away in verse 15, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Let's go check it out. This isn't a great act of faith. So, wow, the angels in the heavens split open. Oh, my goodness. They said this thing is happening. Let's go see if it is. And then they found him. They went with haste. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Peace on earth, glory to God, great joy for all the people. This right here, Jesus born. And Luke stays with these shepherds. They're the story. They're the canvas on which Luke chooses to paint the birth of Jesus. And I, I want you to see this end. Their life's work is done. Right here. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But what great thing did they do? Well, they gave their sheep to Jesus. Nope. They spoke of what they knew and had seen. They made known the saying. Right? I just think about it. Think about, think about what they actually said. I wonder. It's like, it's like they're all gathered around a fire. And it's just like, this is what happened. This is what happened. You know, I was sitting there and I was about to go to sleep and I was having trouble sleeping because that guy over there, man, Jason, he snores like a log. I was sitting here thinking, when's he going to go to sleep? And I turned off, when couldn't sleep. All of a sudden, there's this great light in the sky and I didn't know, whoa. And this angel came and he said this and this host of heaven showed up and we all were like, whoa. That's the, I guess, the California version. We trucked on over to see what was going on, and ooh, that's a baby in a manger. Doesn't look like a lot, but it's exactly what the angel said. I wonder if the sky's going to explode here too. The sky didn't explode. What the people heard was their word. 
right? All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them, it says. But Mary, verse 19, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they'd heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when Jesus was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So the shepherds returned to their flocks, praising God for what they'd heard and seen. Mary treasured in her heart the words she heard from the shepherds. Everyone's wondering, right, who heard these words. This is the point. I think this is the point of the writer of Luke. You're supposed to see this. The work of their life was done right there. The testimony of Jesus. We don't know their names. We know nothing else of what they did. They apparently went back to herding sheep. They did what they were doing in life. They died. This is what it means to be human. We're along for the ride. We're along for the ride. And when we see, when we hear what God has done, when we hear about this amazing peace declared in the Bible, we know it's true. We say, yes, peace has come. When you see the glory of God, you testify. But the work of their life was simply to say it, to testify to it, given by God to them, and they did. And forever they have a place in the story. And it's not because they were good. It's not because they were holy. It's not because they worked hard. It's not because they had qualifications. It's not because they'd been to college. It's not because they learned Greek. It's not because they spoke in English. They didn't. It's not because of whatever, right? It's not because they had owed a sheep either. It's that God was at work, and he loved them, and they just said what they saw. They weren't better than the thousands of shepherds who'd gone before them. They're not better than the people who weren't shepherds in the town that they didn't get appeared this angelic host to. They were real people with real lives who all of a sudden God had a word for. They knew the word. They understood what was spoken. They testified to it, and that's all. And they had the effect of causing many, especially Mary, right, to treasure in her heart and others to, too. So I guess what I'm trying to do with us today is to come back and get big picture for a minute. Why is this here? This is the Bible. It didn't have to go this way. God planned it out. This this is us, right, in the light of the gospel. We aren't the angelic messengers. I am no angel. We aren't Mary or Joseph of the right line or the actual mother of Jesus. If there's anybody in this story, we really are. It's the shepherds. Random nobodies who are given peace with God in Christ because of the work of God declared to us. And you don't know how you're going to impact others with that message. You don't have to worry about it. You just have to live. I think about that with my with my uncle, okay. I think I told you he was a missionary and a pastor and he'd done really neat things, but thats I don't remember any of that about him. You know what I remember about him? I remember the one time, oh, it was probably 15, 20 years ago, say 20, that he was at my house with my cousin who was visiting and he came over and he sat down and we we're all eating spaghetti around the table. And he looked at my cousin and he said, don't eat spaghetti. And her mouth was full of spaghetti, and she had spaghetti coming down her face. And he said, if you eat spaghetti, you're going to grow another toe. This is what I remember of my uncle. 
And my cousin's like, no, she didn't believe it for a second. She's like, no, no. He's like, I'm just telling you the truth. And then he popped off his shoe and took off his sock. My uncle is one of those guys who has six toes. You know what my cousin did? She ran from the table screaming. She went into the corner and stripped off her socks and shoes to see if she was growing a six toe. That's what I remember about my uncle. Well, what's the spiritual lesson that your uncle taught? <laughs> he lived. He lived freely. He got to enjoy humor. He got to do things that were normal. He got to actually be an uncle who made fun with his, with his niece. And her niece, his niece remembers that her whole life. That's her story, too, of what she remembers of him. He, he didn't have to be trying to pull everything into a spiritualized way of saying, I've got to take every... He got to live. The Bible's saying you live. And as you live, who uses you? God does. How does he do it? I don't know. He used the shepherds for this tiny season of all their life. Boom. Used by God? Absolutely. Thousand percent. Everybody who ever knows a Christmas story will read of the shepherds. You will never know their name. You will never know 98% of all the things that happened in their life that God also knows. But I know this. Used incredibly. Right? Used incredibly in ways we, we don't even see. We're on a raft, you guys. We're on a raft, brothers and sisters, in a wide, wide sea. It's a sea we don't even really understand because the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God is filled with things we can't even see, much less understand and be, be part of. But we hold on to this word that says, peace with you. You have peace. Why? Because Jesus Christ has promised it to you. And he has said, trust him. And he will take that raft all the way where it's supposed to be to heaven where he has prepared a place for you and me. He doesn't say, oh, yes, you're just perfect and good. He says you're a sinner and bad. But forgiveness is in his blood and his name. He forgives you. Such freedom we have to testify to that as we're used in different areas, as we talk with different people, as we do different things, that we get to testify to the truth of what God has declared, peace in Christ. <laughs> Not about us somehow climbing, but about Jesus who came. The one who owns the heavens says peace to you and me and salvation and hope and he has us. No fighting needed, no, no exclusion, not our group or your group, but you trust the truth of salvation in Christ alone and we trust it as people who are slowly dying, who slowly don't function as well, who slowly aren't building up to strength and strength and strength, but are saying, wait, I have a testimony. My testimony is, it's real. Jesus came. He died for you and me. Heaven awaits. Pray with me, William. Lord, thank you for the shepherds. Thank you that you chose by your Holy Spirit to have Luke write, to have these events occur in just the way they did. Lord, how I pray we would take it in. Help us to trust you, Lord. Help us in the midst of untruth and people who are wrong and we being wrong and our lives falling apart. Lord, that in the midst of it all, 
the great announcement that we trusted is that you've done it. Thank you that it's finished. Thank you that you have us. Thank you for the freedom that we get to have in you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, the way that we say yes to this 